Good morning, church. What a blessing to be together with you today. Anybody else struggling with uh, cold and phlegm and all that? If you have you, you know, I was going to uh, complain about Louisiana not being a place fit for human habitation, but then we got a brother here from Liberia. <laughs> And that's a tough place uh, as well. So welcome from Liberia. When Robert first told me there was someone here from Liberia, I said, Liberia, Arkansas? No, the Liberia. Uh, some of my best friends in the world uh, are there in that country and loving the Lord, which is a great blessing. Welcome to all of you who are watching online today. It's a great blessing to have you with us as well as the Fellowship Center. One family. We have our campus over in Monroe out by the college as well that mom and dad work at. And next Sunday, we will be blessed to have dad come and give us a message from Matthew 16. He's still going through the sermon every week on the podcast, so he's ready. I hope you guys are. It's going to be a fun Sunday next week. We, uh, I did want to mention something about the marriage retreat because it was mentioned earlier. We are super excited. last two years, because of COVID restrictions, we've had to have that here and uh, we've really missed our spot up in Lake DeGray. We just celebrated 20 years uh, of having that marriage uh, refresh or retreat. And so we're really excited about it. Be looking uh, to get signed up. It's going to be a wonderful weekend. Uh, we uh, have a great theme this year about really helping us spiritually uh, to have Christ's love really viable in our relationships. And that, of course, begins in our own heart and in the heart of our spouse uh, so what a blessing uh, that's going to be. So be sure and sign up. There will be you folks out there online. I know a lot of asked about it are going to be signing up as well. So you folks here locally better uh, get on it and make sure you check the app and check the website and get signed up. We're going to have our scripture reader this morning, uh, Peyton DeCourt. Come on up, Peyton. It says here, Peyton, that uh, you go to West Monroe High School, yes, that you take a welding class there, which is great. Paul, we love welders, right? Um, also says you're active in our WFR youth group, which you are. And, it, and then it says you're dating Mr. Allen's granddaughter. So this is going to be interesting this morning. <laughs> because since you are dating my granddaughter, Carly, um, that makes you a particular person of interest with one Jay Stone. Correct. Now, those of you that know Jay uh, know how that can be. So I just want to ask you, Peyton, right here in front of the whole church that's watching, if you could have one word to describe your interaction with Jay Stone, what would it be? Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) I was thinking you might say intense or intensely interesting. Uh, because that's what I've observed. Peyton has spent a lot of time at our house, and I, I'm going to tell you guys uh, right here, and, and I'm preaching, so this has to be truthful, Peyton, because you can't tell a lie from the pulpit. Um, watching this young man grow, as well as Carly and a lot of the members of our youth group. I'm in on all the youth news now, by the way, uh, because they hang out a lot. And watching the growth uh, of this young man has been a great treat and blessing for me. We spent a lot of time talking about spiritual things. Uh, and that's a great blessing. So thank you, Peyton. Share a verse with us today. We've got a whole pass. I gave you a whole book today, so enjoy. Matthew fourteen twenty-five to thirty-three. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out on, well, sorry, went out to them on walking on the lake. 
When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Thank you, brother. How about a round of applause, Faden? Thank you. I love uh, getting to hear the Word of God from several of our young people here every Sunday. It's a great tradition. As I told you last week, it's uh, Lisa and I spent a lot of time around the country talking about when we were 15, 16, 17 years old and uh, made a lot of mistakes, a lot of things that we had to work through for the rest of our lives and still work through to this day. So I want us to invest as much as we can into the lives of our young people here because we need to help them know you're going to make mistakes, but you don't have to make the same ones that we made because Jesus Christ helps us be better. And so that's a great encouragement uh, for all of our youth who are here. We're in that that passage in Matthew 14. We're actually going to be 14, 15, 16 today. And this particular passage um, is what I consider to be a fortifying of the disciples. As we've been talking about, the opposition has really intensified in the book of Matthew. I mean, there are a lot of folks now that first were listening, seemed like they were on board. But now, of course, they're plotting. They're making plans to kill Jesus. They've already imprisoned John the Baptist. So this is what I call the trajectory to terror. Because it's going to be a very, from their perspective, disciples, I mean, it's it's terror. When people in power have the ability not just to put you in prison, but to take your life, then that's when things get real. And whenever you're looking at a situation and your belief system and who you are and everything's wrapped up into something that other people can kill you for, things get intense. And that's what's beginning to happen into our story. We know there's been a stir in the heavenly realm because we're seeing demons all over the place. So things are happening in the realm beyond. We see anger and doubt and division even from the family of Jesus. They don't believe. And then you've got this little ragtag group from all different backgrounds, fishermen, tax collector, zealot, and they're all put together and they're surrounding this Jesus and they're doing their best to understand because they realize that whatever's happening here, they're going to be the face of it. And they're not sure exactly what it is. Most people misunderstand and think it's only the establishment of Israel as a ruling nation, much like Rome was at the time. But we know, of course, it was much, much more than that. When we get to Matthew 14, we get to what I call the tipping point, And that's what happens to John the Baptist. This is when I think things get real for the disciples. John has been put into prison. And the reason he's been put into prison is that he simply spoke truth to power. Those that were ruling, he said, what you're doing is wrong. For that, he lost his freedom. He was continually held there because of a fear of his influence with people. They were so afraid they knew they were wrong. 
So they were so afraid that he could stir people up against him, they decided to just put him there and leave him. Herod wanted to kill him, but he was afraid. So he's a coward, as many totalitarian leaders are. He was a coward. He had no conviction. He was afraid it might turn on him. So he just left him to rot in jail. Until one night, because of circumstance, incestuous lust... I mean, his niece is dancing there before him. He gets so worked up about it that he tells her in arrogant, boasting fashion that anything she wants, she can have. That's how vile and terrible the leadership of Israel is at this moment in time. Well, her mother had already had some plans because she didn't like what John the Baptist was saying about her. This is like some kind of drama on TBS. So she comes in and says... to the daughter, tell him you want the head of John the Baptist. Now, what happens is in this moment of palace intrigue and all this terrible, sinful, vile, corrupt situation, they are about to start a process that is going to bring terror to the people of God. Because John the Baptist was the one who started this entire thing. He proclaimed, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. He pointed people to Christ. He was a man with a Nazarite vow who loved the Lord, an impeccable man of character and integrity who spoke truth. And for that, because of an arrogant, boastful, lustful king who had no courage or conviction, his head wound up on a platter because of his beliefs. Now, that can have a chilling effect for those who believed in what this man once said. You're going to be forced to make a decision. Am I going to follow down this same road and maybe my head winds up on a platter? Or do I shrink back in fear? Do I go with the status quo? Do I do what I'm told? Do I look the other way? Do I not speak truth to power because I'm fearful? That's the tipping point of the moment that we're at. Things just got real. His head was brought in on platter, verse 11, Matthew 14, and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Remember that this was not just the forerunner for Jesus. This was also a relative. This is someone he loved. This is someone that he went to and said, baptize me to fulfill all things. So Jesus, in this moment, is mourning the loss of a friend, of a family member, of a fellow person of righteousness. Different than him, but still, as he described, on earth, no one better. And yet the least is greater than him. That was his message. So in that moment, some things are going to happen. So we had this tipping point, and now we're going to have what I call Jesus' selling points to why you would want to follow me. Because this is going to have a chilling effect, or it's not. And I think the reason that Jesus zeroes in so intensely in this moment is those 12 men who he's chosen, which of course they're going to lose one, then pick one up, and then another, those men had to really believe he was who he said he was. Or it was never going to work out on earth. Would they choose faith over fear? 
And how would he sell them on this? So there's four things that are going to happen in Matthew 14 through 16. And I'm just going to tell you what happened briefly, and we're going to make an application later. The, the first thing we already read, Peyton read to us already, Jesus walked on the water. Now, we read about it and we talk about it. But if, unless you actually saw it, you really couldn't be as impressed as it must have been, right? Of course, we know in the moment what happened. The wind was blowing really hard. He sent him away. He's up mourning John's loss. And he decides, you know, in this fourth watch, which was after 3 a.m., that he's just going to walk out there to where they are on the water. Now, obviously, he's trying to show them who he is. And maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but I'm also thinking he's thinking they're going to really get, they're going to wait, watch this. Holy Spirit, watch this. This is supposed to be something. He just walks out and they're in this boat and they've been rowing away trying to get across because the wind's so strong. They look up and here comes Jesus walking on water. I mean, I've been, I've tried to run from some things before they got after me and I tried to walk on water and I maybe took one step. It felt like it was possible, but we all know what happens when we hit the water, right? We're going down. It's a law of gravity, but not Jesus. He's trying to teach them something. Of course, you remember it happened. They looked up and they said, oh, it's a ghost, which it's Halloween. So I thought that would be appropriate for today, right? They believed in ghosts, obviously. So they look up and they see Jesus. Oh, it's a ghost. Calm down. Take courage. It is I. I love it. He just gives them a little, you know, I've got the power over the elements. That's what he's trying to show. Them. How could you damage someone who had power over the elements? I mean, he's already shown he's got power over wind and sea, and now he can walk on water. And I mean, if you could manipulate that, you could really do anything, right? I love it because Peter, good old Peter, you know, he looks at the situation and says, if it's really you, because I'm not sure, you look such like a ghost. Tell me to come out to you. Come on. And so Peter gets out of the boat, which, hey, that's why he started the church. Right. Nobody else was going to get out of the boat. I would not have gotten out of the boat. I'm just going to be honest. Peter got out. And for a minute, it was working. He's looking at Jesus. He's doing it, which tells me that Jesus not only had power over the elements. He also had power over someone's ability to believe and act. Think about that one for a minute. That'll blow your mind. Because as long as he's looking at Jesus, Peter's walking on the water. How did Jesus do that? Peter didn't do it. Jesus was doing it because of his faith. Wow, that'll blow your mind. But Peter, like all of us, assessed the situation and thought this should not be happening. And what happened? He starts going down. Now, you know, Peter could swim. So why was he so scared? Lord, save me. Maybe it was the wind. I don't know. Maybe he just thought in this moment, this thing is so surreal, I'm not going to survive. And Jesus saved him. They got in the boat and then they worshiped Jesus and said, truly, this is the son of God. And see, that's why I think Jesus did this for that moment. 
These guys were fixing to go through some rough times. And they were going to have to remember back. You remember walking on the water? He fed 5,000 men, plus women and children, with five loaves and two fish. And then, as if that wasn't a big enough deal, he turned around a few days later and fed 4,000 men, plus women and children, with seven loaves and a few fish. So he wanted to make sure they got that when he did it twice. Now, if you're a numbers person, that's 9,000 men, probably some of the same men, but still 9,000 men, several thousand more women and children. They weren't in government-funded daycare back in those days, so they were there, hungry. That's several thousand, 15, 20,000 people from a few loaves and a few fish. And it's funny because everything, everybody takes something different from this. The people of the day, they were petrified by this because, again, they're thinking, if this guy needs to feed an army, he can just do it out of nothing or very little. When they picked up what was left over, it was far more than what they began with. You know what that shows that Jesus had the power over? Matter. That which we cannot create or destroy, he did. By taking a few bread, started to break it, and it just kept breaking and kept breaking and kept breaking. And the fish just kept going and kept going. Years ago, we had a fish fry for Dad's Bible class from here at WFR. And a Bible class of 70 multiplied to 270. It was a miracle. Because there was fish involved. And when Dad looked at the fish and looked at all the cars that kept coming down there on Mount of Cypress Road, he said, boys, I'm not Jesus. So go run those nets and hope we got something in them. And we did. Not quite as miraculous as this, but we fed everybody. The disciples looked at this. What did they think? He had the power to create. Therefore, we also had the power to destroy. The Bible says that people brought the sick and the lame and they were healed. And the God of Israel was praised. They're just like what happened in that boat. When Jesus did these amazing things, people came, received healing and praise went up to God. And I believe that was the point of what Jesus wanted these guys to see and to know. There was one more sort of odd healing that took place in Matthew 15, 21 through 28. And Jesus kind of went off script and he cast a demon out of a dog. You remember this story? You're saying, no, I don't remember that story. Well, you hadn't been paying attention. Matthew 15, verse 21. Look what happened. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, I'll tell you right there, those are two places you wouldn't want to be. They were filled with a lot of wicked people who were lost. Yet that's where Jesus went. A Canaanite woman, which meant she was accursed and cut off from Israel, from that vicinity came to him crying, saying, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. She knew who he was. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. He ignored her. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us now. In other words, she's annoying us. Tell her to shut up. 
these great men of faith. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. So he told the woman. That's kind of harsh. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. Then Jesus said, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. You see, this passage like this really makes Christians nervous because they're like, how could Jesus say that? He was speaking truth. That's how these people were viewed by the people of Israel. But remember, he's the son of God. He's making a point here. Yes, Lord, she agreed. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I don't mind being called a dog. If it'll help heal my daughter. This desperate woman continued to come back for the third time. And say, Lord, I know you have the power And I know you can do this. Now, Jesus has a plan laid out. He knows how this is going to go. Israel, then off to the Gentiles. But he calls an audible. And he says this. Woman, you have great faith. I love it. I don't care in this moment where you're from, who your people are. You believe. Your request is granted and her daughter was healed from that very hour. An odd little story in the midst of everything that's going on. I believe it was to show, once again, his disciples that even though you think in your mind exactly how things are going to go, look for faith and not fear. She had every reason to walk away and said, oh, well, I gave it my best shot. And then her daughter would have still been demon-possessed. She didn't stop. Even if she's called a dog, she still is a dog who has faith. Now, that shows you the power of what faith can do. Beyond all your circumstances, your background, I came to the most terrible place. There's no way I can do it. Lord, save. Three times. It was a lesson. It was a selling point. That Jesus is who he said he was. And by the way, even by just speaking, he once again showed his power over demonic forces. The demon left the girl. Well, There's one other thing that's in this text that I need to mention before we make application. Because you got the tipping point, right? I mean, that moment that we look for. You got the selling point of who Jesus is. But then there is the traditional missing of the point. And that's what's in most of this text. Of course, our old pals, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and teachers of the law, they missed it. Their response to all of this was whining about the disciples not washing their hands. I mean, can you imagine? That's like being on the Titanic, you know, and complaining about my life jacket doesn't fit properly. That's how much they miss the point of the moment. I mean, washing of the hands? So Jesus, of course, in typical way, gives them a nice soft answer. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. I'm in verse 7 of 15. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teaching is merely human rules. Wash your hands. Make your sacrifice. Do your thing. 
and then whine about everybody else. I'm surprised at this point Jesus said, would you not want some cheese with this wine? Because this is so consistent for you. Jesus looked at the crowd around and said, listen, understand, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that's what defiles them. Jesus said, don't worry about washing your hands. Worry about what's in your heart, because that's where you're going to get yourself into trouble. But these people are all about just keeping their petty traditions and rules. Unfortunately, our our good-hearted disciples who are watching all this unfold, they missed the point, too. Here's what they said in verse 12. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? We've offended the Pharisees. (laughs) What are we going to do? Here's what Jesus' response was. Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. That's a good old Phil answer there. It's pretty straightforward, right? I I got it when I read it. Lead them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall into a pit. In other words, who cares if they're offended? You don't want to be associated with those guys. That's what he tells them. Peter said, explain the parable to us. What do you mean, Lord? Planning? Pulling up? Jesus said, are you still so dull? That's a rhetorical question, by the way. The answer was yes. I mean, that's pretty straightforward, right? But they're just having a hard time grasping it. Of course, they come back and they then want another sign. Sadducees, Pharisees. They just keep cycling the same thing, right? We don't believe it. Show us something else pretty cool. Maybe maybe it'll convince us. Jesus says, you can't even interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation like you, you look for a sign, none will be given except the sign of Jonas. The second time he's told them that. What sign was that? Turn or burn. There's your sign. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. So Jesus said, be careful, be on your guard against the yeast Of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Don't follow those guys. So when he said that, the disciples began to discuss amongst themselves. And they said, you know why I said that? Because we didn't bring any bread. Oh, no. Missed it again. Jesus hears them. He said, you of little faith, why are you talking about no bread? Don't you understand? These people aren't your people. They don't believe in me. They're blind guides. Don't follow them. Trust in me. That's what he keeps coming back to over and over again. And you know why? He knows what's about to happen. Dad's going to talk about it next week. He's going to tell them, this is going to get rough. And then once I'm gone, it's going to get more rough. And you're going to be faced with a decision every day. Do I do the right thing? Or do I listen to these people? Because they're going to be a drumbeat. So what does all this mean to us? Well, three things. It's all about faith in Jesus. It all comes down to that simple thing. When they were out in that boat, 
and they were looking at the wind and they were looking at what they thought was a ghost. And then it was Jesus and they didn't know what to do. And he said something so simple. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. I mean, isn't that really what we need to hear every single day in our own hearts? Something happens. Something that rocks our world. There's some tipping point that takes place. And we think this just got real. What should we hear in our heart? We should hear, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Because let's face it, we can read stories about guys in a boat 2,000 years ago. But what matters to me and you every single day is whether I'm going to get out of my boat. Whether I'm going to hear the words. It really is Jesus. The question is, is he enough for you? Is he enough? That's how simple faith is. But I've told you before, simple doesn't mean easy. But it's not just about faith in Jesus. It's also about faith from you. He kept saying things like, why do you doubt? Why are you so dull? Do you still not understand? I mean, I've been frustrated before with someone. I just, you're working with them and they, they, you think they finally got it and they understand. And then all of a sudden they come back and they say, I don't know. Oh, I mean, I'm not Jesus. So I'm just like, it's okay, brother. I'm just, but I want to say, are you so dull? Why do you still doubt? Have you not seen what God has done? Can you believe? Because at the end of the day, that's what it all boils down to. Will faith come from you? Because he deserves for you to believe in him. Is it possible? Can you do it? The answer is yes. But will you do it? Remember, it's about the human heart. And then I love it really in sort of the same that packages this whole thing together. Is it's about faith for other people. It's not just about me understanding, but can I impact someone else? All these stories that are in Matthew 14, 15, and 16 involve someone else seeing how great Jesus is and praising God for it. Now, they're going to have their own moments. Some are going to fall away. Some never really were locked in. We can't look at all that. We got to look at it in the moment saying, Jesus Christ was worshiped. Because he deserves worship. And he does. For what he's done. But not just for us, everybody. There were crowds. There was compassion. There was this crescendo of praise and worship. There were miracles. There were healings. People were impacted. And that's the biggest message of all for us, the disciples of Jesus. Are we impacting people? Today I'm speaking. There are people looking in. And being challenged from all across the world. We got a brother here from Liberia. He's going to go back. He's going to proclaim the same Jesus that we're talking about here. Because people need to know. Because they have no faith. And they need to know. The Canaanite woman said, Lord, son of David, have mercy. Lord, help me. Lord, even the dogs deserve crumbs from the table. And what Jesus say? Woman, you have great faith. The most humble answer. What great faith. We live in a culture of fear, division, and death. No doubt about it. My 56 years on the planet 
I've never seen it more divided. I've never seen people more afraid. So you can look at that and say, oh, no, what's going to happen and be fearful. Or you can say, I know what can change things. Because I serve a God who has taken my fear away. Because I trust in him. I know that's what people need. That's what our culture needs. I know I need that in my own life. All of us go through seasons of depression, difficulty, disease, difficulties with our kids, difficulties with our parents. Look, I know these seasons are hard. But when you're going through that season, you've got to remember something. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. You can triumph in Jesus through anything and everything if you're willing to believe. And that's my question to you this morning. Are you willing to really believe? Whatever season that you're in, if you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus and aren't a son or daughter of the Almighty, that's your first step. That's your first step out of the boat to believe. I want to believe. And ironically, when you step out of the boat, you're going to step right into some water. But you're going to go under because you're going to bury that old person. And you're going to be renewed because of what Jesus has done for you. There was a brother here the last time I preached. He come up out of that water. I watched him because, you know, you got this big, nice screen now. And he went, I love that. The exhale of everything. Because now I know who Jesus is. And that changes everything. If you've never become a Christian, today is the day to accept Christ, to embrace his love, and to believe in him fully. So I want to encourage you to do that. Or if you just have a need for this church family to pray for you, to help you through a season, that's what we're here to do. So why don't you do that while we stand and while we sing?